Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burntorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, Longhorn Republic Pod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who cannot get enough tortilla content, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? I, I think a tortilla is one of nature's great vessels, either the corn or the flour variety. Um, it is it is usually uh, in its best form when shoveled into your mouth. I I, <laughs> I actually was having a conversation with someone because we had extra leftovers and threw them in a taco, and it just takes everything up like a whole point. Like you could take some leftover beef, put it in a taco, and it goes from a seven to an eight. Like you just yeah. it, it elevates everything with taco, a little cheese, a little salsa. All of a sudden, everything is right in the world. Um, tortillas, great should be for eating. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about other uses of tortillas today, but I'm with you, Kyle. Um, you know, we, my wife has celiac, so we've been a corn tortilla household for, uh, years now. And there is something about a homemade, like hand pressed corn tortilla that will just make you want to sing and give a little shout of praise if that's your thing. But like, I just, uh, I love it. For Father's Day a couple weeks ago, I had tortillas at every meal, and I've never been happier. We had breakfast. <laughs> we had we had huevos rancheros for for breakfast. We had tacos for lunch. We did uh, some fajita cookout for dinner, and it was like the greatest day of my life. Was, there was nothing better than that, and I really felt good about it. There is a memoir title, and I know we've we've thrown a few of these out in the history of our podcast, but a tortilla at every meal, <laughs> a Gerald Goodrich story. <laughs> It's a bit poetic. If I ever get to the point where I'm going to or need to write a memoir, it is absolutely going to be tall, called The Tortilla at Every Meal because, well, <laughs> that is uh, – that's kind of my bag. But that leads us directly into our business for today. So if you could believe it, we are 65 days away from kickoff. So we are moving through our Schedule preview series. If you haven't listened, the last three weeks, they're all up there. We made through non-conference. Last week, we had a great conversation with Jared over at the Alamo Dome Audible to talk about UTSA. But it's conference time. It's time to, to bring some of our old friends 
on we don't i don't know how many of these we have so we've got to savor them all but we've got the man the myth the legend albie shore of tortillas and takes and all of the other incredible texas tech things he does but albie is joining us from a hotel room uh, because i was in a hotel room last week and now albie's there uh in a hotel room now different hotel room not together but <laughs> albie man how are you how are you doing today brother uh other than the fact that the video is deciding whether or not to make me all black or just partly black um i'm good <laughs> I'm good. It's really going in and out here, and it's really annoying, but bothering me. All, anyone who's dark skinned that's listening to this knows my pain about not having the correct lighting out here. I'm in a hotel room in a new setting. All right, Sheraton's not hooking me up like they should be. There's no light above me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not feeling the vibes here in the middle of Philadelphia. But uh, other than that, I'm doing great. Sheraton, we know you're listening. Give us your podcast suites. Uh, give us a setup with mics, correct lighting. Can we get? Your podcast finest. Again, we know the fine folks at Sheraton listen to this. But Albie, it doesn't matter how you look. We know that you're going to come in and bring the heat and you're going to sound incredible. And we're just happy to see you again. Hey, thanks, Kyle. You're, you know, y'all are better than me because usually when I'm asking, um, you know, corporation stuff on my podcast, I'm asking for money. So, you know, that's, you know, that's for a podcast. Sheraton, also give us money. There we go. We got it in. Not a a sponsor. Could be. Could Could be. be. Just say. Could be. If you want to. You could be. Actually, they could already be a a sponsor. We don't control our ads. It's fine. Uh, But so we're going to, we're going to talk a little Texas Tech football and then we'll jump in on uh, some rapid fire at the end. But Last year was a little weird for both Texas and Texas Tech. Um, Matt Wells didn't make it all the way through the year, uh, was fired midseason, replaced by Texas high school football legend Joey McGuire, uh, who's coming in uh, in his first year and kind of made some waves on the recruiting trail, uh, hired Emmett Jones on the recruiting trail, which is anytime Texas has an opening at wide receiver coach, I scream Emmett Jones's name. Like, I don't know why. Like, Brennan Marion is great, great pickup for Texas, but Emmett Jones is one of the best recruiters in the state. But that's either here or there. We're not talking about Emmett Jones. We're talking about Joey McGuire and the first year in Lubbock. Like, the fan base is riled up. They're excited. Recruiting's hot. They're feeling good. Like, what are what's the mood and what's the expectation for year one? I mean, everybody's currently – Joey Mack is about as popular as a head coach could possibly be uh, that hasn't done anything yet. <laughs> um so like it, it, you know I'll, I'll give it to you pretty real like, i think the red raiders I, you know what's funny i think tech and texas neither will admit this to each other but are and right now in very similar votes both universities are all excited about the recruits that are coming in you know arches coming to the longhorns you got quinn earlier this year Everybody, all the um, skill players are going to want to come and play for with Quinn and play with Arch and and Sark's now jumping up in the top ten class for Texas. Texas Tech, we have the number one class in the nation for the 2023 class here in a little bit. We just recently dropped down, but I believe it's still a top five class, which is wild. Um, and so, like right, everybody's just uh, just actually we're recording this Monday night. Reports that one of our uh, top recruits for the 23 class uh, almost got scooped by Ohio State, but Joey McGuire convinced him um, to stay, stay in Lubbock. So, um, yeah, I mean, so everybody is so excited about the new recruits. I personally don't care until I see more wins. I, I mean, it's, it's cool. Fair. Fair. Like, it, it's, it's great and all. Like, I, I, I love the fact that we're recruiting, and usually recruiting equals wins unless – you're in the 40 acres, but um, it's, it doesn't mean anything until you start winning. Right. And so Joe McGuire's never been a coordinator or head coach 
in the college level. So I have no idea how good of a coach he's going to be, right? Like right now we're just guessing. We're saying that Zach Kittley, the offensive coordinator, is a good coordinator, and we have a good D coordinator and the coaching staff and Emmett Smith. Like every, everybody, everything looks good, but like nobody really knows. So my thing is I'm waiting for the season to see what happens. And we lost a lot of talent last year. So I actually don't come in with as big expectations as some people in the fan base do. If we've learned anything post-Leach, the best time to be a football coach in, in, in Lubbock is before you've done anything. You can have all the goodwill. It, uh, it's always hard to do it, right? Come on, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, you know, we, we, we loved him. We, we, we love the guy, right? Yeah, man. Cliff, Cliff's first, like, first half, his first season halfway through, oh, he, was, he was a king. Like, legitimately, he was a king, could do no wrong. Man lost five straight games to end the season, (laughs) and they gave him a contract extension. (laughs) You know how incredible you have to be? That's smooth, man. Like, that's, you know. Oh, man. The story of failing upwards. Cliff Kingsbury. That is exactly (laughs) right. Cliff is is finesse personified. So speaking of Cliff is a good good uh, quarterback whisperer. Um, we know that the Red Raiders are in a bit of a quarterback battle heading into fall. Can you handicap uh, the race who you think is going to helm that offense for for Coach McGuire? Um, I'd be pretty surprised if it wasn't Tyler Shuck, to be honest. I think it was much more of a competition before we saw the spring game. Mm. And I think everybody kind of saw the spring game, saw him play, saw the order that was kind of shoved out there. And it's pretty uh and it's the guy that i always thought it was going to be which is tyler shuck tyler shuck last year was the starter uh played a few games didn't i mean he was he was decent like i don't think he wowed anybody uh but he didn't play bad <laughs> in which we, the quarterbacks you've had between mahomes and him uh not playing bad is all we ask for at this point so um he didn't play bad he didn't whatsoever and then he got hurt he hurt his collarbone was out for the season uh while some of while our backups, Henry Columbia and Donovan Smith, kind of try to take over a little bit uh, towards the end. But it was a big question coming into the season of, okay, well, you got the hot shot recruit in Baron Morton. You have Donovan Smith who played up and down at the end of se- last season. Who is going to be the starter? And I do think Chuck's going to win it. I will say everything that I have heard about how training camp went and what I saw in the spring game, Baron Morton is coming. That, that kid right there, can he can play. And not just sling the ball, but he can run. He's athletic. Uh, he is coming. Um, so it's it's. I don't think he's going to play this year, but I, I think he will be um, a Red Raider quarterback in the near future. And as far as Donovan Smith, I think we're going to start seeing a little bit of some of the packages we saw when Henry Columbia was a starting quarterback, which is some of that wildcat. I, I, they, you know, though we no longer have Sonny Cumbie as offensive coordinator, it seemed like that wildcat package is still going to be included with Donovan Smith there. Um, but yeah, that shuck starter, but man, that Morton's a name. I think you're going to, you're going to hear, uh, maybe not in 22, but in a few years after that, at the start of last year, you were not on the Tyler shuck train. And are you still like, are you still in the, at the train station or are you like on the train? Like where, what's your, what's your proximity to the Tyler shuck express as we head to the fall? Uh, you know, I'm. I like shuck, you know, he's, he's, a, he's I, my thing is, is that like, I don't, Last year, I think one of the things that I was a problem I had with Tyler Shuck is that he was kind of anointed as, oh man, he's going to be a first round pick. That's what, and he was kind of put that, and that's all we, all people knew about him at Tech was, oh, he was at Oregon last year, and NFL draft experts in a week draft class think that he could be a first round pick, right? And so that I think was where I was more pessimistic that he'd really be that guy. Um, I think now expectations have settled into what he actually is, which is a guy that is going to limit mistakes, make move the ball down the field and just do what is necessary to not look terrible. Like I say, he's just not going to make those mistakes that previous quarterbacks have made. 
Um, he's, he's, I'm, I'm still at the train station. Like a four, <laughs> four interception game, I could easily turn and say, put the young boy Morton in there. Um, so, but you know, I, I, Shuck's okay. He's, he's a decent quarterback. I think he's gone from overrated, like I thought he was last year, to now he may even be a little underrated. Like he's not some scrub out there. He, he can actually throw the football. He just may not be the superstar that some people made him out to be when he first got, when he first signed. So as we talk about like the ceiling for Shuck, the Shuck ceiling, uh, we have to talk about who's going to be on the receiving end of the, those uh, those passes. Tech lost its top two receivers uh, from last year, as well as that massive tight end Travis Koontz. And so like who's who's going to pick like losing Eric Ezekama is is like a massive blow to it would be to any quarterback, um, but especially as you know, Tyler Shuck still tries to kind of get his groove back. Like who is he going to look to? Like we're going to be the dudes because um, I know tech has recruited some, got some transfers in. So like, what's the, what's the story at wide receiver? Yeah. I mean, Coons is much bigger loss in the running game than the receiving game. I mean, he wasn't a, the, I mean, he was, he had improved as a receiving tight end, but he wasn't, it, it's not a huge loss there. I will say, yeah, losing Eric is uh, that's big. That's big. That's uh, I think he's one of the best, probably one of the top five receivers we've had since Leach left. Like he is a incredible, incredible receiver who as great as the stats were last year, still wasn't used enough, which, which kind of tells you just how talented I thought he was arguably the, arguably the best receiver in the conference. I, I might be boosting him a little bit, but he was, he was, he was incredible last year. Um, so it's not easy to replace him. And I think the main thing when it comes to replacing his comma is by committee. I think we have a lot of young receivers that were freshmen and sophomore last year that are now older. Um, and so one name a couple of years ago, Miles Price was that gadget, like speed receiver. We didn't see him a lot last year. I think this is the year he takes that next stride to really be, excuse me, one of the leaders. I mean, from what I heard about camp, he did become one of the vocal leaders. One of the guys that was out there more, um, Loic Fungi, he's a guy that I expected a lot from last year that also didn't do so hot, but towards the end of the year started coming on a little bit. I expect big things from him. Um, one guy that I've both seen and heard a lot of good stuff and just made some great plays over spring with Duran Bradley. Duran, I actually think Duran Bradley is going to be the biggest surprise from the receiving course. And it's going to be that, that guy that he's going to make some plays and everybody's like, Hmm, he, that's him. He's him. <clears throat> we know that, you know, you, you have a great offensive coordinator is going to get a lot of those guys involved in the passing game, but you also have uh, some good running backs coming back. So Roderick Thompson, Taj Brooks, Xavier White. Um, for for Kitley's offense, do you see one of those guys winning out and being the guy or a running back by committee, like you said, receiver might be? What do you think the uh, the running game looks like? Uh, so I'm a, little, I'm, I'm a little interested to see what the running game will look like because I don't know. I, you know, there's – so Zach Kitley notoriously has not run the ball in his mm-hmm. career. Like in his, as, as an offense coordinator, both Houston Baptist, West Kentucky, he just didn't run the ball. And so it's a question of whether he didn't run the ball because that's just not his style or maybe, he, or he just didn't have the talent. I mean, the talent they had at quarterback and receiver at Western Kentucky and Houston Baptist. I mean, you got the Stearns, you got the Stearns mm-hmm. brothers and you got yeah. uh, Bailey Zappi, like what you need to run the ball for. So, <laughs> you know, like, but here at Tech, I mean, you know, look, I love Sir Roger. He's been a great ambassador for Tech since he's been here. I think Cameron Valdez is one of the best running backs recruits we've had in a while. Todd Brooks is that guy. Todd Brooks is so dang good. Like it's 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 wild how good Todd Brooks is. Um, I think they're we're good enough to have a running back committee, but I'm not going to be mad as that kid if he just says, you know what, Todd, go out and get us uh, a ten yard run real quick. Um, but what I'm worried about though is that if we we don't run the ball very often, luckily during the spring game and during spring practices, it looks like the running game is still going to be incorporated quite a bit. Uh, but you never know until you're out there. And I do think 
that Taj and Sirajic, for that matter, are too good to not use them. Like you, you just don't leave your your, your stallions in the in the in the barn like that. When you yeah. You know, this ain't this ain't Houston Baptist. Like you, you, <laughs> you use these running backs and keep it going. Albie, I think that might be the most country I've ever heard you sound. You don't leave your stallions in the barn. That like you can take the boy out of Texas, but you can't get the Texas out the of the boy. boy. Oh no, not at all. I'm I'm in Amish country right now, and I don't even know what a I can't even pronounce a pierogi right. I mean, <laughs> that right? I, 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 it sounds right to me. Sounds right you, to me. Yeah, pierogi. No, I think you nailed it. You're good. You're good. <laughs> so let's let's flip sides and talk about the defense because. Tech lost quite a bit on defense. Their top three tacklers from a year ago, but they return uh, Tyree Wilson and Tony Bradford, who led the team in both sacks and tackles for loss. I think at least half of those came against Texas. Uh, you know, McGuire is a defensive guy. He brings Tim DeRuiter, uh from the West Coast back to the state of Texas. So, like, with the pieces that are there, like, what's the expectation for the defense? Because Texas Tech has unfairly in some years been, like, just seen as, like, still the Mike Leach, like, we don't play defense groups. Like, what's the expectation for the defense in, in 2022 and beyond? Man, we trying. <laughs> <laughs> Trying. Uh, hey, and also, Gerald, don't butter me up by talking about last year's Texas Tech-Texas game. Okay. Trying to say we had good tackles for loss. Okay. You don't, you don't have to do that for me. All right. We gave them 70 points. Um, so, no, I mean, the, so the, when it comes to the defense, so the, I think that's one of the things that I'm a little bit most pessimistic on on, on the team, right? Like, I kind of talked about the offense a little bit and, and some of the weapons that we lost, but because we have Zach Kelly, because I think Tyler Shucks is a good quarterback, because I think our running game is decent. Um, I think the offense will be fine. It's really the defensive side that I'm, I'm a little worried about uh, because we, I mean, we lost so much from the D line and linebackers. Like we lost, like our linebackers really been our strength the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been able to send what three linebackers to the NFL, including a first round pick. Like we last year, we, we had the NCAA leader in career touch tackles on our, as one of our linebackers last year. Like it, we've been so strong in that group and everybody left with the exception of Krishan Merriweather, who is now the guy. Like, like, sorry, Krishan, everything's on your shoulders now because literally everybody else left. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Josiah Pierre, who played sparingly last year, he's also going to have to take a big step up. And apparently over the spring he has, he's done a really great job. Dimitri Moore, who was one of McGuire, one of the guys McGuire coached in high school, um, saw McGuire, got the head coaching job, was like, bet, coach, sign me up, I'm here. And on a plane to Lubbock, like almost the next day. Um, and he'll be at kind of that hybrid safety linebacker position uh, over, well, the kind of the weak side linebacker position. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, this, I'm not going to lie to you. This definitely, the linebacker group definitely worries me. Krishan Merriweather is massive. Um, he was already one of the biggest linebackers we had last year and got bigger somehow. Uh, but other than him, like, I don't, I don't know who's going to really step up there. Um, on the D-line side, which we've kind of struggled recently, I think a big reason why we struggled on the D-line re- is more scheme than personnel, in my opinion. Um, but hopefully that hopefully that works its way out. I do think that the law firm of Hutchins and Bradford uh, will be really good. That's Jalen Hutchins and Tony Bradford. Like both of it's a shame that they don't play together more often because they're both so wildly good. Um, but they both play the same nose tackle position, so it's kind of hard to play two nose tackles together. Not not that hard, but anyways. Um, and then also we lost Devin Drew to transfer portal and who would have been a starter. So like, I think there's some things from the front seven that we're going to struggle with. Uh, the weird thing that I'm going to say, which still doesn't feel right for me to say, it doesn't make sense for me to say, and I don't think it's been the case for the last two decades. The secondary may be our strong part of this team. Like, I don't, I, I, mm, 
mm, I don't like saying that because last <laughs> time I thought the secondary was a strong point on the team, we were the worst defense in the country. So, um, <laughs> so I don't, I really don't know what that means. Like, I don't know if that means that I think the secondary is good or that just means the entire defense is awful. But I do think that we have a lot of veterans in the secondary, right? I think Reggie Pearson, who is our transfer from Wisconsin, uh, who played pretty, pretty well last year, he's back from injury. Um, uh, DeAndre Taylor Demerson, who actually was the big surprise in the secondary last year, who was CB1 by the end of the year after being a, a bench warmer to start the year, is back. And the biggest return is Muddy Waters, who got hurt early in the year, I think in the Texas game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's back. Uh, he is virtually playing every position known to man because he's also massive now. So, like, the, the secondary is supposed to be the strength, should be the strength. Um, yeah, take that as you, take that with what you will. Let me just say, we last week had UTSA preview, and they uh, got a transfer in a player named Pig Cage, and I didn't think there was going to be a better name. And, and, I, and I'm I'm happy to tweet it out and, and get some votes on this. Um, are you telling me there's a player on the Texas Tech defense named Muddy Waters? Okay, his name's Marquise, but yeah, yes, Muddy Waters. That's what that's. That's incredible. That I mean, if you're covering the team, the the, the Blues references just just write the the that, tweets for you. That's uh, incredible. Now now I'm mad that ULM doesn't have an incredible name or nickname because we had Kool Aid McKinstry right at, at Alabama three weeks ago, then last week Pig Cage, and now Marquise Muddy Waters. Like ULM, I'm gonna reach out to that dude. Like, yeah, let's get get, it, get him back on. We need their their best <laughs> name or come up with a nickname for somebody but all right we we besides just wonderfully names which you know is a, is a passion and hobby of mine I, we I also we also do have jj sparkman which that can be a funny name in very many ways i mean y'all are from y'all, y'all both went to school in austin so you know how ways <laughs> that could be funny uh, no not, I, not I, ever, never, no my mom i've never i've never met jj but if he doesn't do the certain thing i'm insinuating i'd be pretty i'd be pretty uh, upset about it. I don't. I don't understand. You've lost me completely. Yeah, um, nothing. No. Son, put down the Gatorade. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this is a family so, program. It is, and 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 uh, let's keep it moving right along. When so all that besides Muddy Waters being the Big Twelve um, Player of the Year on defense, if that happens, there goes the Sheraton sponsorship. <laughs> it was right there, <laughs> and it's gone. Anyway, I don't know. Oh, I don't know, man. Sorry, Kyle. Yeah, it's it's still June. Um, when you look back at the end of this year, in 2022, and you try to measure success, what does that look like this year for the Red Raiders? You don't have to put a number on it if you want to, you can. But how do you measure success for for this season? Bro, if we make a if we make a bowl game, I'll be happy as hell. It, it really is just making a bowl game with like this. I I think again, I I, I don't. I think it's funny because I don't think tech fans realize how much we lost from last season. And I don't think tech fans realize talent wise, how good that team really was. Mm. Like now most people listening to this is a, are Texas fans and <laughs> all they saw was the 70, 35 beat down. So they're like, are you sure that team was good? I'm but, telling you, I probably sure that team was, was actually went to a hundred percent more bowls than Texas. <laughs> And 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 pre pre horns down. I mean, that was a different game, right? We all know that that's a net like twenty point difference when you put the horns down immediately. It, it, so if he just doesn't do that, you know that you, you probably only give up fifty. <laughs> uh, I thought we were friends, Kyle. Um, but no, I just it's it like the team talent wise, and I, I said this last off season, like talent wise, that was actually a really good team. I thought talent wise was actually one of the better tech teams we've had recently. And um, and one of the reasons why I 
think some people scratched their heads that didn't watch the tech this um, season was a head scratch why Matt Wells after a five and three season would be fired was because, I mean, well, for one, five and three at that point in the schedule when you have like the hardest stretch coming up, isn't that impressive? And then two, um, the team was that good. I, I thought seven and five should have been the floor, to be honest. They were that talented. And seven and five was actually the floor, and they couldn't even get up to nine wins just off talent alone, and the coaching was going to really matter. And so, I mean, as we saw, with the, with all the turbulence of the season, still went six and six. Um, but that being said, we lost a lot. Like we like you all mentioned it already, we lost the stars we've had on offense. I mean, we talk about we didn't even get to the O-line. The O-line, which was a big – actually, we struggled in the O-line last year. And half the O-line's gone. Most of the O-line's gone. So, like, that's a big thing here to where I'm if, – if Joey Mack can get us to a bowl game, that alone is a big success. And I really don't think Tech fans realize just how much that would get – especially with the schedule that we have, like, getting to a bowl game would be huge. Joey Mack, you heard it here first. Six wins and a cloud of dust. So, we, we've talked enough football. We, we really do this show to do this part. Um, the rapid fire section, it's had some terrible names in the past. And so we've just dropped all of our terrible pun names and just going to go rapid, but I want to start with the heater, Albie. I'm going to start with the heater and I'm sorry, but I need you to say one nice thing about Chris Beard. Um, he looks well fed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The food scene in Austin is treating him well. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. He really likes torches. I appreciate that you got there. I know that was tough. Um, <laughs> speaking of torches, let's keep it. Uh, let's keep it related to you. Your your, your podcast, Tech Greater Culture. Um, we know that there's a tech habit of wasting perfectly good tortillas. So I'm going to ask you, Albie, what is the single best thing to eat inside? Of a tortilla, what's your go-to taco? I mean, you know, me personally, I'm gonna if I if I'm gonna go, I, I gotta get a chicken taco. You know, what I'm saying get some pollo in there. You know what I mean? But I gotta go to Taco Nazo down in Houston. You know, where they don't Ooh. do the, they don't do too much, where they dress up and do all the, the stuff that white people like to do, where they put a bunch of toppings <laughs> on there. No, you season your chicken very well. Put it on there. Put a few little nice little onions in there real quick. Get your nice little sauce, and that's it. Taco Nazo in Houston. If yep. you're from the Houston area, make sure to go there and get your Taco Nazo in Houston. Um, Lubbock, I love Josie's personally. Not everybody likes it. It's great drunk food. And, but actually, no, it's great drunk food that also you can eat during the daytime, which doesn't happen very often. I'm a big fan of Josie's. And it's cheap. Very cheap. Still, in 2022, it's cheap, which is um, saying something. Taco Nazo is, is cash only for all the Houston listeners. Um, I, I usually don't get the chicken, but I have to go back. I get gar- barbacoa or fajita. Now I have to go try the chicken. That's one of my good. One uh, of my, my secret spots, man. That's That's one of the best tacos in Texas. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, if you're in Houston or San Antonio and your food truck you're going to isn't cash only, you need to reevaluate yourself. I got nothing else to say. I mean, really anywhere, the best tacos are served out of a truck. Now, I want to ask a tangential question to that because we can talk about all the fancy stuff, but – one of the things I love about tortillas is that they're they're also great when you're having a struggle meal. Like, what's your go-to like struggle meal when it's tortillas? Like, is it just like put some butter on it, throw it in the microwave? Like, what's your tortilla struggle meal? Oh, on it like for with a tortilla, man. Get yeah. A, get a get a weenie in a tortilla, roll it up, put it on the stove real quick, put it on like two. It gets a nice little crisp right there, and then have have a little uh, roll it up into a weenie, and call it a day, dip it in some mustard. Let's go. 
real quick, fast, and in a hurry. Re- respect. Bucky's would sell that for five bucks, so uh, you're, you're fine. <laughs> I, I think Bucky's does sell that for five bucks. Actually, <laughs> it's. it's it's actually delicious. They they put it on a stick. It's good in the car. Um, <laughs> well, something that we've often done and um, is bed wet or dead. And if you know the other way to talk about that, we're trying to keep our uh, our clean. Ta- we're trying to keep. Though I'll be wrist it. We're trying to keep our our, <laughs> no, to keep our uh, non-explicit tag. tag. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, bed wet or dead? Mark Adams, Pat Mahomes, Josh Abbott. Mark Adams, Pat Mahomes, Josh Abbott. Um, let's see. So, I gotta wed Mark Adams. Like, yeah. Come on now, look look at him. He's he's <laughs> he's so cute and precious. Uh, I'm not. I can't. I can't kill my guy, Patty. Patty Mahomes. I can't. You know, what I'm saying you gotta gotta get that one in the sack. And then so so that means I'm sorry, Josh. You know, mm. sorry, Abbott. Nah, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't listen to too much country music, so it's not that hard for me to uh, <laughs> to do that. You know, but you know now if he was. If it was a, uh, you know, bun, that's a completely different story. You know? Sure, we we would we would never put put bun in 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 such a situation. Um, it, no, I it, it, many uh, NFL defensive linemen have been trying to sack Pat Mahomes as well. So you're in good company. Um, let's take it to now. We're in the era of NIL. Um, give us your dream NIL pairing, any player, past or present, uh, with a with a company. Dream NIL sponsorship. Dream NIL sponsorship. Let's see here. Um, that's a good question. Uh, JJ Sparkman. <laughs> and I would I would sign him to the University of Colorado, and uh, well, we would just he'd be the poster child for my chain of uh, local type of shops, um, CBD shops. Correct. But yeah, sh- much stronger CBD. <laughs> And not CBD. <laughs> Gummies that are all the rage nowadays. Just, just do what you got to. Okay, so we'll we'll close it here. Albie, you and I both have children, and part of part of being a parent is finding shows that are tolerable to watch with your children. And you put out a controversial opinion the other day that Team Titans Go is the best kids kids show going right now. I need to hear I need to hear your case. Fourteen Titans go because we're a bluey household. And granted, my kids are a little younger than yours, I think. But like, what's your case for Teen Titans go? I need to hear it. So I'll say this: Bluey's a, Bluey's a quality programming. But here's the thing: so, so actually, so my I have three, eight, three, and one. So actually, the youngest two are right near wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, or the middle one's right near wheelhouse. And so, um, so Bluey is great for them, and it's actually I respect it. Like the dad's one of us, right? Like he he's, is. you know, what I'm saying he he, he don't. I like I like the fact that the Bluey producers don't try to like dumb it down for the kids, it makes it enjoyable for the parents too. I respect all of that for child programming. Teen Titans Go is hilarious. Okay, <laughs> it is legit. I, I would watch that without my kids. It is absolutely funny because not only do they do stuff like the stuff for kids, anytime they do something educational, it's always like ridiculous. So it's not like you know how, like a lot of t- kids shows are like oh hey two plus two is four, right? Like Teen Titans Go will say something so wild that doesn't even make any sense, but like, treat it with the seriousness it deserves. Like they will say no two plus two is six, and I'm gonna show you why it's six by having this elongated thirty minute episode <laughs> about why I am right about it being six and you're actually wrong. And at the end of it, you really question yourself like is it six? Because Robin has a point, right? <laughs> Like, and then also they bring in like characters that like kids don't know what the hell's going on. Like, why, why is, why is this, uh, like, I just love things like that where they're talking about stuff that makes no sense. Um, 
you know, and but yet to parents, it makes all the sense in the world. But Teen Titans Go is a fantastic show. Uh, they brought Animaniacs back, and that show Ooh. is also a top tier show, uh, mostly for adults. That show is not a kids program. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, that there is has one been. thing. I, you know, it's funny. I always thought it was until I saw the I saw the Hulu season, and I'm like, no, this was never a kids show. Why is this? <laughs> Why was I watching this on Saturday morning? Like, this is not a kid show whatsoever. Um, like, they're legitimately talking about the presidential election. Like, this is this is absolutely hilarious. Um, so, yeah, no, that, but Teen Titans Go is oh, also has the best jams. First of all, Beast Boy, Beast Boy is Justin Timberlake of the new generation. First off, right? His, his songs are incredible. Um, you know, Shrimp and Prime Rib, a classic, you know. Sounds um, like a good time. It's man, Teen Titans Go is fantastic. The problem with millennials is that we expect it to be so much like Teen Titans that we completely reject it. They're two mm. completely different shows, nothing mm. like Teen And so we never gave it a chance. And now Gen Z gets to, you know, and, and whatever the generation of the, the new little babies is called, um, get to soak it up, enjoy it. And we, we miss out. This is your go to podcast, sometimes for Texas football, always for great takes, and definitely for anti millennial bashing. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad we rounded out and got all of those in. Thanks, Alpi. No problem. And my advice that I have to tech fans, same one I have for Texas fans. Like just y'all gotta relax. I feel I feel like Texas fans, um, why do y'all still have your hopes up? What was that video? <laughs> there was a video of uh recently of the guy that was that was like he was playing two versions of himself. It's like, no, bro, I'm not doing it again. I'm not getting my hopes up again. And then here, Arch Manning comes. And you got your hopes up again. What y'all doing here? I won five games last year. We're ready to be hurt. <laughs> it's at some point, like it's mental illness. And being a sports fan is just mental illness in and of itself. So like, it's just it's just what we do. It's who we are. Like I, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of my friends who are Texas fans will talk about oh now but we're recruiting now. We're recruiting for real. Now. <laughs> I'm like bro, y'all had like a t- like a number six class last year. What are you talking about? Like yo, that, that, that was different. That was different though. That was different. <laughs> y'all, y'all been like no. Nah, this really, is the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, before we had like ten five stars. This time we get eleven five stars. And I'm like that's. <laughs> you won five games. Like I just I just I would take my advice that I'm giving to myself. Like I'm not getting my hopes up until. Max starts playing games. Y'all should do the same with Sark, you know, because I just don't want to see, you know, y'all out here next year talking about, you know what, football's not a real sport. I don't need that from y'all <laughs> in December. As as the country club sport national champion, oh, we, we all of our national championships this year came in rich rich people sports, and so like maybe we just football isn't a real sport, and tennis and rowing and golf are. Like maybe that's the, where we go. The real sports. Y'all win golf, and I'm like, man, that is so on brand. On brand. <laughs> The week, uh, the week after they won tennis. <laughs> and and we won the Masters this year, you know, with a Texas alum. We are we are mm. crushing it in the country club sports right now. Yeah, you know, I can't I can't I can't hate on it. You know, that's <laughs> that's uh I, I can't because if I hate it on it, I feel like I'm a broke boy. Like I can't <laughs> hate on that. That's that's the paradox. Yeah, you yeah, oh you wanna hate you on know, that? Oh yeah, yeah. You, you heavy yeah. heavy broke boy energy. That's why <laughs> like anytime I talk to like somebody from Baylor, like I feel like they always make me feel poor. So like I need to like really level up, you know what I mean? Like I can't I can't have that. Like TCU's been down in the gutter so long that they forget that they're rich. Yeah. So like, but Baylor remembers like, hey, I know we were losing a lot of games in the Big Twelve, but we still got money. Like they have that old Southern Baptist like mindset of like, okay, but you can't outspend me though. Um. So I uh and I and you know I respect Texas for not necessarily going that far, but then now you're winning golf and tennis championships. Um, I feel like you win track championships to keep you humble. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I mean, that, that's that's definitely a poor man's. That's sport. right. He's just running. The sport, the 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 only sport that inco- that requires running, uh, in forward motion, not side to side, uh, that we won a national championship in. The rest uh, was either rowing, uh, with your arms swinging with a racket and moving uh, horizontally, or uh, standing and swinging a club and then walking. Walking is is key to that sport. So the. <laughs> team first of all is is pretentious as hell okay like the fact that even like keeping a rowing team on like deciding whenever title nine came out like we got to keep rowing like you can't get rid of that one. have you have you seen our gorgeous lakes our lakes and bodies of water come on it, it it's 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 natural you know it's funny and i'll end it on this um i was just about to say well baylor has something like that too but then i i i kept myself from laughing <laughs> i can't compare austin to waco what's wrong like, I don't know. I can't. I may, I may talk mess about text, but I can't lie to myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Al, Al, man, we appreciate the time, brother. I know I know it's late on the East Coast. So uh, if people want more of what you got, man, where can they find you on the Internet? Yes. Tortillas and Takes Podcast, as the guy has been saying. Um, check us out. Uh, we don't bash. Nah, let me not lie to y'all. We, we bash taxes quite a bit. But it's, it's all good and fun. It's all fun stuff. Uh, most of the time I'm joking unless I'm talking about Chris Beard, then I'm 100% serious. He can meet me outside. What's good? Um, but uh, but no, it's all it's all good and fun. Make sure to check us out. Tortillas and Takes podcast. Also, we are the official podcast of Red Raider Sports. So make sure to go on there, redraidersports.com. Don't go to the message boards. I, like, let's be – just don't do it. There's, really, y'all shouldn't go to your own message board. I've seen y'all's too. It is wild. Agreed. Agreed. Message boards are not a good time. But anyways, that's, that's, that's it. I mean, and then follow me on Twitter, at Mr underscore i'll be sure um yeah it's it's an interesting ride alvi one of the one of the best doing it man we really appreciate you taking the time not a problem thanks guys always one of our favorites man always a pleasure having you on we laugh we have a good time we don't feel so bad about ourselves you know you cut us down gently today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Okay, Gerald, let's uh, bring it back from Tortilla Talk. Wonderful conversation with our guy, Albie, to look at the world, the entire world, through burnt orange lenses. And we have some updates. We went through a lot of recruiting uh, updates, some ins, some outs from the baseball team in our Tuesday show. <laughs> it's been two days, Gerald. There's uh, there, there's plenty that's happened since then. Um Let's start it right off with some football editions and the biggest of the bunch. 2023 five-star wide receiver, John Day Cook, officially made it official, what we all hoped and, and, and probably knew, uh, that he was coming coming home, uh, signing for the Texas, or uh, committing to the Texas Longhorns. Yeah, like that was one that felt like a, uh, a formality, not a formality, because we felt like Evan Stewart was last year too, but this is a guy, this is a kid who, is a Texas fan, wanted to be at Texas, really uh, was a was a 
Texas leading for as long as I think they've been they've offered him. Um, he just also happens to be an elite wide receiver and wanted to play with Arch Manning. So so it felt like it was just like the right time for him to make the move and kind of lock it down. And and he's another one kind of like Arch. He's more vocal than Arch. Arch is uh, behind the scenes texting folks and um, starting to do a little social media with some of, some of these other recruits to try to sway them this way. You see them uh, connecting with with five star linebacker Anthony Hill, who just announced his top two of Texas the Texas. A&M. So they're, they're really the guys that I think can lead this class. And, you know, it makes sense to have two guys that are top 50 players uh, that are leading the the charge in the effort. You add Hill in there. Hill is one of the best linebackers the state of Texas has produced in several years. And, and uh, that will do a lot for the cachet of Texas being able to recruit uh, linebackers. But but back to, to Jonte, man, he is I, I hate to call somebody a complete package because that means there's uh, not room for growth, but he's Great speed, great hands, already a really polished route runner. Like he is somebody that could probably see the field early and often, especially uh, as some of these transfers probably try to make their way to the pros sooner rather than later. So I'm excited to see uh, what he can do in this pass game and, and blow things up. Yeah, I mean he has some of those high school stats that you just absolutely love. Um, he had I think 38 catches and and 19 of those were touchdowns. Like you just like receivers at the high school level who uh, half their catches go go the distance because no one can keep up with them no one can tackle them uh get them on the ground um just you know a, a really really elite receiver already um built in gus johnson catchphrase um now we're uh, the texas offense is cooking with gas um that's all gas no breaks of course but uh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah we get it there oh, gus and i'll workshop it um but no just just huge right i think when arch committed we we saw the big bodies uh, to protect him now you see the big names um maybe the first of many of or of a few um who, who have wanted to play with arch right there's a video that resurfaced um after the commitment of of arch at texas uh throwing a 70 yard deep ball and who was the one catching it but jonte cook i mean these guys um seem to uh seem to really like playing a little pitch and catch he seems to have also drive with Quinn Ewers, so he might be playing uh, welcoming Arch to the offense with a year under his belt if he comes right in and, and contributes like he has the talent to do. So a huge, huge get uh, for the Longhorns there. And uh, again, this is part of the Arch madness that um, the momentum's just going to keep coming. And just want to throw out Brendan Marion, who we love and we've definitely given props to, has now signed the number one, number two, and number eight wide receivers in the state since arriving uh, on the 40 acres. So anyone worried about those Texas connections? Um, he's pretty good at his job. Another uh, another recruit, this one a flip. We tease it again as we recorded Monday night, thinking it might happen then with the decommitment happening uh, from Oklahoma State. But 2023 three-star edge Billy Walton committing to the Longhorns, of course, from South Oak Cliff. Gerald, is uh, do you have any attachment to that that place? I mean, you got to put it in their face to make sure it's understood, right? Like that's that's, uh, but on it, like all joking aside, like Texas and Chris Gilbert's ability to get Texas back in with Dallas schools, Texas was basically shut out of a lot of Dallas DFW area schools, uh, and then you especially Dallas ISD, like, and then Gilbert comes in and Texas gets. A DeSoto kid, which again, he didn't have a ton to do with Jonte Cook, but having two players in this class from DeSoto, you have two right now from South Oak Cliff with another that's probably um, leaning Texas. It's probably going to be like a Texas-Texas A&M battle, and he and um, 
he and Billy are uh, our cousins. They're really good friends and cousins. And uh, Malik Muhammad had a really positive reaction to uh, William Billy committing to Texas. So that would be a big win for Texas as well. But the ability that Texas has shown, and again, so it's Chris Gilbert has come on staff uh, to get back into Dallas is incredible. And if Sark doesn't offer him a like on-field position in the next couple of years, I could see him taking his talents elsewhere uh, and getting a if he wants to uh, a positional job somewhere with recruiting duties as well. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a future for sure with Chris Gilbert. Hopefully uh, for the Longhorns, keep keep contributing, opening up Dallas, getting Dallas, uh, getting South Oak Cliff players on. That's phenomenal. I, I just absolutely love it. Um, a final um, in the the sweeping of, of Arch Madness. Uh, I believe he's he's a preferred walk on, maybe a scholarship. I'm not entirely sure to be honest. But 2023 five star long snapper Tate Haver commits to Texas. Does he have Tates? Yes, he does. Does he have the number one ranking uh, amongst long snappers in the country this year? Yes. Yes, he also does. Texas took a scholarship deep snapper last year. So uh, Jeff Banks is a recruiting master. I don't know what else to say. Like special teams recruiter. Good work. It is important. It is the the third rail of, of, of football. And, and uh, you could win games with... Good snapping, good kicking, good holding, good returning, all those things that special teams uh, incredibly key. He's also, the, I believe, the stepson of L.A. Rams general manager Les Snead. So, you know, just, just good to secure those uh, those next-level connections. Gerald, a lot of football and, and, and probably more to come by the time our show rolls around next week. Uh, there might even be more because there's, there's rumors and there's emojis being tweeted and there's uh, gas and, and no real sign of break. But we do also have uh, some some changes to continue hitting on on the baseball side so we went over i think eight um players who have hit the portal um one more uh since we recorded at least that that i've seen pitcher daniel blair is two and one when 15.2 innings with a 7.747 era part of that kind of pitching staff exodus of the the i guess latter third or, or bottom half of the pitchers um, from, from last year, those who with a little higher ERA, maybe, you know, new regime or we're looking for greener pastures to restart their career. So he's on his way out, but there is a uh, new pitcher, the first one of this offseason uh, on their way in, former Arkansas right-handed pitcher Heston Toll committing to Texas. I mean, Texas needed an infusion of new arms for various reasons. One, uh, that big transfer out, but I think Texas also needed to reset what the top end of uh, the pitching rotation can be. And so uh, we don't know who's going to be coaching these guys yet. Uh, there's still a lot of questions and continued reshuffling on the coaching staff. Uh, but more arms, talented arms, is never a bad thing. Uh, now Coach Pierce just has to figure out who is coaching staff is going to be yeah and and on that specific note um philip miller the the other uh assistant has moved into out of a assistant kind of a director of operations role hopefully they they're able to keep him uh for his recruiting ties and and now add two with tulewitzki and and Allen both gone, add two net new uh, assistant coaches, and, and again, hopefully get some home run splash hires in there and shake things up and, and see uh, some reporting and some hearsay has been that Pierce, 
you know, is has a history as a pitching coach, so he, you know, fancies himself, even though it's hard to do that as the head coach um, with all the other responsibilities, but to be most impactful on that area where Allen, you know, played second base and, and was a great pitching coach, but was more of a hitting coach till Tulowitzki showed up. So it felt like there was just after this year, with the hitting being great and the pitching being down, a, a need for a big shakeup. Philip Miller, again, moving into a different role, now will be uh, completely net new. The three um, closest people to uh, Pierce last season in the dugout, all in new roles or no longer with the team. Um, and just to, to put a final button and note on this, there is one additional player right before recording that, that came across uh, who is a new player for the team. Uh, with Silas Arduan declaring for the MLB draft, Texas needed a catcher um, with experience, and they went out and got one of the best ones in the portal, maybe maybe the top catcher uh, in the portal, uh, USC's Garrett Gilmet. I mean, I don't know what that addition says about the current roster and the expectations for the current roster. Uh, makes me a little sad, the implications. But uh, if you're going to have to replace the guy that's behind the uh, plate currently, this seems like a uh, solid attempt at a start to uh, to, to fill that massive hole. Yeah, and, and I think there's a couple things to like here, right? A two-year starter at USC started pretty much every game for them. All conferences of freshmen uh, has a 292 career batting average, you know, double-digit doubles every, every season so far. Um, and, again, if you're going to replace... Silas Ardron, how better to do it than a guy with a last name like Gilmet, which still sounds like uh, he could have just walked out of some parish in Louisiana. So I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm excited to have presumably a, uh, another Cajun uh, behind the plate. Now, um, baseball filling out, I imagine, in the coming months, weeks maybe, but months, uh, to the last day for the portal entry, uh, as rules currently state, is tomorrow. So we'll, ha- we'll know exactly who is in the portal, and then it will be a matter of just filling uh, positions of need and, and depth uh, on this team. So, Gerald, one piece of news that we'll throw in burn orange lenses is that um, the Big 12 has a new commissioner. <laughs> um, this is... Be, Rock Nation, baby. This is BOL because, yeah, this is who Texas, in theory, will have to negotiate with if they are to leave before the stated 2025 that everyone is very careful to make sure they're saying. And I think no one actually wants either the Big 12 or Texas, I would presume. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the former um, Rock Nation COO, I believe, an untraditional pick, Brett Yormack was the final pick of, I think, three non-traditional, non-college experienced finalists for the the job, which, again, I don't know exactly what it says about the Big 12 other than they want those... TV rights, maybe maybe a couple uh, record deals for some of the players. I mean, if we want to get into NIL, um, you know, I I, I don't know. I, we, we found out uh, talking to Albie that there are guys who definitely have uh, the names of, of recording artists, uh, Muddy Waters. So maybe this is maybe this <laughs> is the natural play that you get the Rock Nation COO as your commissioner. The last couple of big conference where I say big conference conference commissioner hires have been you know from the entertainment side of things which I think uh, shows you where football is trending college football is trending because it's casino guys and and a lot of west coast media guys and so I think that says a lot about what the future of college football may be very media multimedia driven and I think that's probably why the Big 12 made this move that being said uh, I don't know if it's a smart move or a wise move or if this is going to just put them back at the G5 level I've 
as much as college football is changing in, in the way that TV deals and rights deals and media deals are done, I also respect somebody who knows the landscape and knows the lay of the land. And I think that's what uh, you see the stronger conferences, the Big Ten, the SEC. Uh, they have those guys. They have uh, commissioners that are very uh, familiar with it. I was I was team Condoleezza Rice just because she knows the college athletics landscape and she's been, you know, college football playoff committee and she's very involved at Stanford. It's like there's, she would have been a really strong choice at that. That would have flown with a lot of people, but uh, I think she would have been somebody that was probably a solid choice, but we'll see how it plays out. We, we may not see, we may not see how it plays out because Texas might not be here. This week, volleyball released their schedule um, for a team that was number one all last year figures to be in that small number category uh again this year when the rankings come out they have a good schedule and it starts off with a bang um they open with two games at number 26 ohio state who was a sweet 16 team last year and then uh elite eight minnesota comes home before going out to stanford that's basically the first week uh, of the season in that last week of uh august so they are starting out tough vetting some new blood and uh and and not taking any any days off no cupcakes no fcs opponents in this one uh and we, we talked about it like what uh last week i think it's good to get that out of the way early and to really see where you're at and set expectations for the year being able to play those types and those caliber of teams is huge like it's it's absolutely incredible and i think uh like you said texas is going to have quite a few uh new players and things that they need to that they need to work out and get some chemistry so being able to get that out against elite talent early in the year uh before conference play starts before ncaa play starts it's not it they, they can only be a net positive net positive indeed uh, pun unintended. Um, they released the volleyball roster as well, and there were some new names. Like Gerald said, there's many, many rosters, uh, or excuse me, additions to the roster. There's names that we knew were transferring in, some big, big name transfers uh, this off season. I think Jared Elliott's making no mens that he wants to go all the way this year. Um, but uh, there was also a couple players who it, it had been kind of social media understood that they had come to the University of Texas. They had maybe changed their own social media, but the the official UT accounts or any of the UT website had not necessarily, um, I guess, officially acknowledged, but Danny Davis was saying that um, it transfers Jenna Ewart from Colorado and Bella Bergmark from Cal, as well as freshman Kenna Miller and Marina Crownover. Um, there just hadn't been the typical tweet that the other, let's call it, 10 new, new faces between freshmen and transfers um, had gotten throughout the course of the, the offseason. So that is confirmed. Um, a couple, I think all in all, it's a, it's a, one of the biggest Texas volleyball rosters. And again, that's because there's, there's double digit new faces to go with a really good team from last year. Yeah. And you know, there's like a transfer that's coming in from Nebraska that we talked about. That was officially there. Uh, her brother is a um, four star edge rusher that Texas is trying to, and I, and this is like, I think they were recruited independently, but it happens to be like a, you know, let's, let's both do this. Cause um, she was the one who set the NCAA aces record in the postseason and all but one of them came against Texas in that that uh, upset and so like this is a team coach Elliott uh, is not playing around he there are 
elementary school children that are living in a world that haven't seen University of Texas win a national championship. And Coach Elliott is kind of on a mission to uh, end that this year. Sweet 16s and Elite 8s are not really the standard he has set for himself and for the program. And so these new players will hopefully get them back to the finals and back to the point where they are raising that trophy. Just a reminder, Texas won the Director's Cup with four national championships and three teams Four teams, excuse me, were ranked number one during the season that didn't win a national championship, volleyball, men's and women's uh, outdoor track, um, and baseball, obviously, all ranked number one. I may be missing someone. I think that's it. Um, four other teams who ranked number one, and so just just good state of the program. Um, and it has been a good state of the program for a while, as evidenced by Longhorn alumni going into Hall of Fames. is always fun. Jill Sterkel was recently inducted into the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame. No big deal. We, we say we're, we're ace at the uh, Olympic sports, but officially inducted on June 24th. A Longhorn legend properly. Um, she was an absolute boss uh, on the University of Texas. Uh, dozen, you know, All-Americans, and then went on. She was the first woman ever to be selected to four U.S. Olympic teams, 76, 80, 84, and 88. Again, um, in 1980 was boycott, but um, she captained uh, the team three times, uh, multiple gold medals in her Olympic career. The um, I think the one in her first, she was 15 uh, in the 76 Montreal Olympics, and they beat uh, the four by one meter freestyle um, broke the world record by four seconds. And the team that was second uh, place was later found to be a state sponsored medically enhanced East German <laughs> team. Uh, so, you know, a 15 year old uh, Longhorn can beat even your most genetically modified uh, Europeans. So um, Jill Sterkel, Longhorn legend uh, in the Texas sports uh, hall of fame and multiple swimming hall of fames now officially in the U uh, S Olympic Hall of Fame. So it doesn't get much better than that. Pretty amazing. All right. Um, a swimmer who's currently on the 40 acres, uh, Drew Kibler, uh, won bronze in the mixed four by one freestyle at the FINA World Championships. Texas was represented well there. Um, I believe Elena Alent qualified for the German uh, national team during that as well um, on a relay, but uh, I believe Kibler was the only one who won a medal at that of current Longhorns on campus. And then keeping it, uh, keeping it world competition three longhorns made the u.s track and field world championship team and gerald one of these names is uh is a longhorn alum but a guy who i know is near and dear to your heart Mr. Ryan Krauser. You've got Ryan Krauser and, and Trip Perry in the throwing sports. You've got Stefan McCarter in the long jump. Um, and then you had to make the, the under-20 team, uh, Solomon Washington uh, in the long jump, and Crystal Herpin in the discus. It's a uh, absolutely incredible outing uh, from te- – and again, like – Texas continues to set the standard for these international sports, and uh, it seems like the – Anytime we talk about this, I always want to like reflect on the fact that like the athletic department is, seems to be judged by the football program, but like everything but the football program has been at an elite level. And seeing like last week we talked about soccer players on the international stage scoring goals, and this year this week it's Krauser um, hitting you know record breaking shot put throws, and we've got um, you know. Play, uh, athletes setting personal bests on the international stage like Texas is elite at everything and football will catch up sooner rather than later so like sit in the fact that Texas is setting international standards uh, for a lot of sports I just want to I want to point out in case people don't realize like how good 
Ryan Krauser is right now. Like Kevin Durant's still performing at a, at a high level. Um, there's some UT baseball players doing doing great things at, at the the major league level. Um, there's a lot of Longhorns in the NFL. I don't know if there is a Longhorn competing professionally right now in the world. Well, I'll just say it. There isn't one even close, not remotely close. And I'm a, I'm a KD guy, um, but remotely close to the level that Ryan Krauser is doing the shot. But like, if you're not familiar with this, I could say, Hey, he, he, he set the new world record with a 23.12 meters, which again, uh, Gerald and I'd like to break that down into the U S uh, so we all can understand that's over, uh, 75 feet, 10 inches, um, throwing a, a, a hunk of metal through the air and, <laughs> a and that small mean, cannonball. <laughs> that's right. That, that is it. He, he is actually, had he been around in medieval times, they would have saved money on their cannons and just put him on a, uh, on a, on a, um, Oh man, on a, a trebu- hill somewhere, right? Or a trebuchet stand, and just let him rear back and and, and destroy people. Um, come and take it. But no, uh, the important thing about that is not the distance that he threw, which is un- ungodly and unfathomable. Krauser in that series threw the world leading mark three consecutive times. Threw it, beat it. Threw it, beat it. Um, threw it again and, and beat it. So just like he's in another world competing only against himself, not, not any other person alive, not any other person dead who's ever done the sport before him. Ryan Krauser is on such an unbelievable and unreal level. I just wanted to take a second to shout that out. The guy is, ah, I love it, man. He is so firmly entrenched in our, our track and field Mount Rushmore, Ryan Krauser, Longhorn legend. I got nothing else to say other than we love that guy. He's incredible. That's it. That's all you need. And, and again, Trip Perry, you know, w- was was crushing it behind him. But it's it's tough. It's tough to live up to uh, to that that legacy. So, Gerald, let's take it home. Give us a little Godzilla Tron. What are you watching on your giant screen? Uh, so let's see. What are we watching? We watched uh, so family night, family night this last weekend, family movie night. We did burgers instead of pizza because it's been like a hundred ish degrees and we didn't want to turn the oven on in the house. So I grilled burgers outside instead. Uh, but we watched Hotel Transylvania. We'd never seen it before. That was one of those that like hit in the midst of like not having kids, but like knowing it was good. It wasn't very good, but my son enjoyed it. He called it that funny monster movie. And so we enjoyed it. It was fine. It was like Sandler did Sandler stuff and and did the voices and all that. It was good. And then my wife and I watched the reboot redo of Father of the Bride on HBO with Andy Garcia as the the father of the bride. And it it was – it wasn't a good movie, but it wasn't a (laughs) – bad movie it was just it was just a thing like i don't know how else to describe it like and again i'm married i'm married into a uh, to a latin family my wife her her dad is is from venezuela and so like i'm married into like a lot of that so it it felt like i I, like seeing the latin culture and it's set in miami and the the dad is a the uh, andy garcia is like a self-made cuban immigrant and and her his daughter is marrying um a a a Mexican heir like he's from Mexico and he's the heir of a, of a million dollar Mexican corporation and so it's like a really interesting dynamic I'm like the all of the elements of the movie were cool and Andy Garcia is Andy freaking Garcia and so like he's great but like it just didn't like at the end I was like oh like we we were there and we watched it it was fine like I'm not saying don't watch it like it was enjoyable but I don't I wouldn't call it a good movie I do like Andy Garcia but it's tough to replace Steve Martin right like that's just it's such an iconic thing it's a very different movie it sounds like but you can't you can't do that I, I was thinking about Steve Martin because I think only murders in the building came out with a second season um, which we haven't watched yet 
yeah, but uh, did watch the first season and loved it. Just love getting Martin Short and Steve Martin back. But uh, but yeah, so I, I will probably in the coming weeks have an update on that. But what I did watch uh, this past week was uh, I finally sat down and did it. I finally watched Roadrunner, which if you're not familiar, Roadrunner is the um, documentary that came out, uh, I believe, in 2020? Uh, no, 2021, I think, um, last summer, basically. Um about Anthony Bourdain, um, and it's it's made by you know uh, a really incredible documentarian named Morgan Neville, who is uh, who's made some other things that that definitely you've you've seen or or heard of, um, but is truly just great at his at his craft. I think he did "Won't You Be My Neighbor" as well, and, and Keith Richards documentary, some others there. Um, but um, but I was a huge fan of Anthony Bourdain, like. I love food to a level that's, you know, uh, I don't want to call it unhealthy, but it's it's a passion so deep, and and I I love storytelling, and and there's rarely been a person who did a combination of those two things as well. Um, I felt as Anthony Bourdain did. Was he perfect? No, you know, did this expose some of his flaws as a human, some of his issues, some of his life struggles? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I cried. There was moments I cried in it. Um, I, I distinctly remember. Uh, I was traveling to Louisville at the time in 2018 when uh, Bourdain committed suicide and the news broke when I was sitting on a plane. Um, and I cried then, too. I, I was sitting on a plane ready to take off on the tarmac in Louisville, and I cried. And I had just met – they had shot Top Shelf Louisville at that time. And the week before, I had ran into Eric Repair in the airport, and I was geeking out because I'm a huge Repair fan, and that's – most people would consider Tony's best friend. He was featured – you know, in the documentary as well. Um, the scenes between the two of them was were, were heart wrenching. The scenes between his ex-wife, um, when they talk about his 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 daughter and and just you know some of the things that that led to it. I mean, it's a great documentary for eighty percent of it. It's really celebrating who he was, and you can smile and you can laugh, and it's a lot of you know unused, unseen footage. It tells the rise, tells the story, tells how this guy who just wrote kind of a crazy out there book became Bourdain, even though he didn't think that Anthony Bourdain, this persona, was who he was going to become. So that was really interesting, really fascinating. And then obviously they don't shy away from how it ended and, and the, the answers for why. And you can tell that years later, the people closest in his life are still wrestling with it and still don't really have a handle on it. And still they have theories or they have thoughts, but still don't really truly understand it. And so as fans, you know, we, you, you don't get closure. And I think someone says that, like, we don't ever get to know why we just don't. Um, and so it was tough. It was it was like sobering. I needed some time and I thought I would. Um, when I watched it, it was going to be a tough hang, but I needed some time just to process, decompress, and come out. But if you're a fan, it is a thing to do. It is a thing to watch, to, to understand, to think about. It's haunting, but it's beautiful and it's poignant. And um, it's a really just good microscope on a person, but it can also zoom out and, and make it a macro view of life. And I don't know how many times we've said it on this podcast, but I hope it's dozens and dozens more um, – one of the more famous suicides of, of our generation was Tony Bourdain. If that's the last suicide that, that, you know, happens, if one person doesn't because they watch that or think about it and just know that there's people out there who care about them and love them and want them to, to take literally any other route, then uh, let this be yet another calling card. Um, if you're a listener to this podcast, we love you. Uh, Gerald and, and myself both love you and, and shoot us a DM.
we're always here to to talk and and um, just just puts what is I think an incredibly serious uh, issue at the forefront and um, I'm I'm happy to keep that in the conversation and discussion if it means that just one person goes a different route. Uh, mental health is something that, that we both take really seriously and it's something that, um, especially in the sports community, we don't talk about a lot, but, and this is, this may sound corny or whatever. We legitimately, if you're listening to us, like you, you are worth it. You are valid and valued and not just because you listen to our podcast, but because you're a person and, and you're here for a reason. And so, yeah, shoot me a DM. Like I'm not a counselor or anything, but, uh, I'm, I'm willing to, to listen and to talk, but that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. For the sake of your sports teams, remember, horns up.